In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. God willing, today we're going to continue um, the th series about comparative religions. Um, so far, we started with uh, orthodoxy to get a baseline of what is it that we believe. We also spoke about Judaism, and last time we um, spoke about Jehovah's Witnesses and concluded um, last time. God willing, today we're going to speak about another one of the cults, uh, which is... Um, Mormons, the Mormon, the Church of Mormon, or the they're called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, they they're they're one of the largest growing um, religions actually um, in the world, and so it's important that we understand uh, more about what they believe. The Mormon Church, officially known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is one of the fastest growing and most successful cults in the United States and perhaps the world. Again, the reason we call them a cult and we don't consider them to be Christian, although they consider themselves to be Christian. Um, it's because when we get into it, you'll see how their beliefs are very, very fundamentally different from Christianity. Um, and all of the kind of maybe when you see the commercials about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or you hear things, they speak about God and they speak about Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of terminology that we're used to that might sound familiar to us. And so we might conclude that we have similar faith, um, or at least we we agree on some fundamentals. Um, but when you, when you when you really begin to understand what they believe, you see that it's very very different from Christianity. We do not consider them to be Christians at all. In their advertisements as well as in their lifestyle, Mormons promote a highly attractive and admirable face that communicates strong family values, clean living and a commitment to Christ-like living that would put many Christians to shame. So similar to what we said last time about the Jehovah's Witnesses, is from a moral perspective, um, they're very good, and they care about morality, and they care about their faith and living it, and we see that reflected in their actions and the way they serve the community and the way that they serve the church and, 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 and the moral principles that they have. And so typically, if you know anyone who is Mormon, um, they are a very upright moral person. To understand Mormonism, one needs to look at their sacred texts and consider where they came from. The church claims to believe in the Bible insofar as it is correctly translated, which basically means whenever it does not conflict with good Mormon theology. The real source of Mormon teachings comes from the other sacred works, the Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price as revealed to Joseph Smith Jr. Joseph Smith Jr. is the founder of the Mormon religion, and he claims to have found these tablets um, and documents that he then translated into English, um, which are then the source of the doctrines for the Mormon church. So, so there's several books um, that are the authority uh, for the Mormon faith. And so it's not just the Bible, uh, it's other books as well. The story of Mormonism centers on Joseph Smith Jr. and his many claimed revelations. When he was 14 years old, he had a vision where he was visited by two persons whom he believed were the father and the son. When, he, uh, when asked which denomination he should join, they responded with none, as they are all wrong and corrupt. Three years later, he had another vision, this time of the angel Moroni, who told him of a book written on golden plates by former inhabitants of the continent that contained the fullness of the everlasting gospel. At the age of 21, he found these plates and began translating them using seer stones and occult divination technique he honed with his father when hunting for treasure. By 1830, Smith had published the Book of Mormon, 
For the next 10 years, he continued to receive revelations, which would become his additional inspired scripture of the doctrines and covenants and the pearl of great price. So uh, these tablets, he believed, were uh, written by uh, a civilization that lived in North America a very, very long time ago um, that outlined like a war that happened between these two groups of people um, and, and also spoke about other things and there's also they believe that Jesus Christ actually came uh, and into North America um, and this is why it's called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Latter-day meaning later in history not just that Jesus Christ came at the time of the New Testament where we know but he also came to visit North America at this time and this is one of the reasons why um, that that it's called that it's called Latter-day Saints this book covers the history of two great civilizations which supposedly made their way from the Middle East to America in 600 BC. These two nations, the Nephites and the Lamanites, were of Jewish origin and for centuries were enemies. This is, this is what the Book of Mormon speaks about. Mormon, so this is the name of the commander of the Nephites, which is one of these two civilizations of Jewish origin. This is where we get the name the Mormons, is because of this, the name of this commander. Mormon, the commander of the Nephites, recorded on the gold plates what was to become the Book of Mormon. M Book of Mormon. Mormon gave these plates to his son Moroni, who hid them until they were uncovered by Joseph Smith, Jr., the Mormon Church has gone to great lengths to justify the Book of Mormon, even claiming archaeological support for its, its authenticity. As we mentioned before uh, about Christianity, the source of the Christian doctrine, which is the scripture, was written over a period of 1,600 years by 40 different authors, and it has a ton of manuscript evidence, a ton of archaeological evidence, and many, many historical evidence that can point to the authenticity of the, the documents themselves and the events that happen in the manuscripts of the Bible. What we have here is one person saying that they found golden plates that are no longer in existence, that he translated to become the Book of Mormon and, and, and based on this vision and revelation that he received. And then he teaches this as being a religion that everybody believes in. But who are they believing in? They're believing in the word of this one man. They have no way to verify any of the claims that he's making because the plates don't exist anymore. Um, and there aren't multiple authors. There are not other people that can corroborate his story. There's no other documents. It's completely the story of one person, right? So even from kind of a, a, a very kind of just a purely logical, rational perspective, you can see that it's much harder to believe this story just because of the claims that are being made as compared to the Bible. Now, the Bible is definitely making fantastical claims. It's, it's, saying, it's saying things that are supernatural, that are divine. But it's not just one person coming with the story. It's many, many people that are all in agreement with each other that lived over a period of, of, of 1,600 years. They could not have cooked this up together. They couldn't have collaborated. They couldn't have thought through, like, how are we going to deceive the people and come up with something that, you know, is, is for our benefit. You know, they couldn't have done that because the, it was too long a period of time and many people were involved. And yet when you read in the scripture, it's written like with one message, with one focus, with one author who is the Holy Spirit. So very, very different than what we see here in the Mormon church. No non-Mormon archaeologist, however, has given it any credibility. So all of like the, 
the non-biased archaeologists that look at the archaeological evidence for these golden plates or for these two civilizations that supposedly lived a long time ago, there, is, there doesn't appear to be any evidence of that. Interestingly, there are no manuscripts for the Book of Mormon to be studied as Moroni returned and took the gold plates. So the gold plates are no longer available. Mormons must accept all on Joseph Smith Jr.'s word alone. Although the Book of Mormon was termed the most correct of any book on the earth, the Doctrines and Covenants has 13 key doctrines not found anywhere in the Book of Mormon. Among these new revelations were the plurality of gods, God as an exalted man, a human being's ability to become God, three degrees of heaven, polygamy, eternal progression, and baptism for the dead. So one thing you see here is actually the Mormons are polytheists because they do not just believe in one God. They believe that human beings can become gods, and actually all the gods that exist used to be mortals that were promoted and exalted to be God. They also believe that Jesus is the God of Earth, only, only Earth, and that there are other planets where people are exalted and become gods of those planets. Okay, And so we'll see that when they speak about the Father and the Son, they don't speak about the Father and the Son in any way like what we speak about them. They believe that there is another God whom they call the Father, whose name is Elohim, just like we call God Elohim in the Old Testament. But he is a completely distinct and separate being from Jesus. He is just the Father of Jesus. Okay. In addition, it is laden with prophecies by, Sw by Smith that never came true. So we see also similar to Jehovah's Witnesses, they make a lot of um, prophetical claims that actually never happen. This book was translated from papyri fragments found when Smith bought some Egyptian mummies. According to Smith, this is a record of writings. This is the book Pearl of Great Price. According to Smith, this is a record of writings by Abraham while he was in Egypt. Assumed lost, these papyri surfaced, resurfaced in 1967 when they were studied by non-Mormon scholars. So he, he, he found these ancient Egyptian manuscripts among some Egyptian mummies. And he claimed that this was a record of writings by Abraham during the time when Abraham was in Egypt. But eventually in 1967, these uh, documents, these original documents were, were found and studied by those who were not Mormon. It was discovered that the characters were indeed Egyptian, but translated into instructions for embalmers, of how to mummify. Smith, however, understood it to teach the Mormon doctrines of pre-existence, the priesthood, and the nature of God. So again, he, he's making these wild claims, but when anyone else comes to try to verify what is it that, that he's actually found, according to his own claims, they find that it's completely false. Mormon doctrine states that God is progressive, having attained his exalted state by advancing along a path that his children, who are the Mormons, are allowed to follow. In Mormon thinking, God is not the creator of everything. He was created by another God who had been created by another and so on. So everyone who is a God today used to not be a God, and they were exalted to the rank of being a God because of the way that they chose to live their life. Okay, And Jesus is the same. Jesus and Elohim and all the other gods, they all went through this process. The Mormon father God actually grew up as a man on another planet, 
learning all he could, and finally dying, and then being resurrected into godhood, whereupon he returned to a heavenly place with a body of flesh and bones. There he joined with his goddess wife to have millions of spirit children who would eventually populate earth. And so that's where we come in. We are the spirit children of the procreation of gods. Has anyone heard of any of this before when it comes to Mormons? Some people have. Most people have not. You know, because when you, when you, when you watch the, the commercials or, when you, or you hear from a person who is Mormon, they don't discuss this, right? They discuss the part that is the easiest to accept, which is, yes, we believe in Jesus and we believe in God and we want to live moral lives and so on and so on. But it's only when people get involved with this cult, and it is a cult, it's only when people really get involved with it, then eventually when you're already kind of in it, then that's when they begin to introduce some of these things. And actually, there are people who were Coptic who, who were involved with the Mormon church, and they came back, and they were describing the kinds of things that they would have to do. And there's these cultish um, ceremonies that they would have to perform inside of the Mormon temple, where they would put on certain kinds of clothes, where they would, would have to do certain actions, um, and that's when they would discuss all of these details, and they would actually tell them never to discuss um, what all of these actual teachings are outside with anyone and and from what this person was saying is is they said they they had them make a sign like this like that if 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 somebody were to reveal um, what is it that they were told that implicitly means someone is going to come kill you yeah. this is what this is what was said the spirit world is called pre-existence so the idea that the spirits existed before the body, right? So we believe that when a human being is born, their spirit and their, and, their, and, their, and their body are born together. We don't believe that the spirit of human beings existed before the bodies, right? We all came into being at our birth. But here they believe in the pre-existence of souls. So the spirits already existed. The firstborn of these spirit children was Jesus. We're talking about earth now. The firstborn of these spirit children that are going to populate earth was Jesus, followed by his brother who is Lucifer. So actually, Satan and Jesus are brothers. God called a meeting. This is God, the God Elohim, the father of Jesus and Lucifer. Called the council of heaven to tell of his plan to send the spirit children to earth to be tested and return to him after death. Okay, so this God is saying all of the spirit children among whom are Jesus and Lucifer. They are like the first two of them. Um, all of these children are going to be sent down to earth as, as physical bodies, okay, to be tested and then returned again after they die. But he needed a savior to implement this plan. And this is where it kind of, it's not clear, like why is it that their salvation is needed? Why is this test happening based on what and for what reason? Jesus was the one selected by this council in heaven to be the savior okay and lucifer was not selected so lucifer was upset because jesus was selected and not him L lucifer was so enraged with jealousy that there was a war in heaven and lucifer and his angels were cast out so a very different explanation for why there was a war in heaven and why is it that lucifer was cast out all of us in our pre-existence and this is controversial all of us in our pre-existence fought in the war, and our skin color reflects how well we fought. The lighter the shade, the better. So according to their original teachings, the people with dark skin 
are actually the ones who fought in the side of Lucifer. This is their original teaching. Now, later on, they changed this because, of course, this was very offensive and racist. They changed this and they, they interpreted it differently. But the original teaching, when this first came out, this was what they taught. Jesus came to earth through physical relations between God and St. Mary and died on the cross. So he's speaking about a physical relationship between God and St. Mary. And this is how Jesus was born. Exaltation for each of us can be reached by living a worthy life and going through the temple ceremony. So again, there's a ceremony living in this uh, moral life that the Mormons live. Someone can uh, eventually reach the point of being exalted to the level of a god. So people who are Mormon believe that eventually they can become a god of their own planet. Not Earth, but a different planet. In the highest level of celestial glory, we become gods ourselves. Mormons hold Jesus to be the literal son of God the Father. Literal meaning the actual procreation of God because they believe God and St. Mary had physical relationship and Jesus was born. They claim he is our redeemer and our savior. Except for him, there would be no salvation and no redemption. Again, so when a person who is Mormon comes and says, yes, we believe Jesus is our savior and he is our redeemer and without him there is no salvation and they only say this part, well, it sounds acceptable. Like it sounds like that's similar to what we say. But when you understand the whole background of what it is that they actually believe, it's completely different. In fact, this is a deceptive claim. True Mormon salvation has virtually nothing to do with the person of Jesus. Mormon salvation, or more correctly stated, exaltation, is a complicated quest, right? There is no salvation, right? The reason that we believe in salvation is because we sinned. We became separated from God. We need to be reunited to God again. And Jesus is the one who did that for us, okay? But in the Mormon theology, there is no, none of those concepts, right? The idea of, the, of Mormonism is to live a good moral life and become a God. This is, this is what it's about. So it's not, there's the, even though they might use this terminology, there's not really a sense of redemption or salvation in Mormon theology. There is a general salvation by grace, but this only means that one is resurrected to immortality, and this applies to everyone. An individual's exaltation is much more complicated. So they believe that everyone will be resurrected. But what will be their outcome in the afterlife? This process of exaltation. Salvation is a process of works, while faith has no real importance. Jesus' death only made it possible to be resurrected, but the real path includes living a life of good works and temple participation. Keeping the whole law is absolutely central. In, in the book, Doctrines of Salvation, this chapter 2, verse 41, this is what it states. It says, those who gain exaltation in the celestial kingdom are those who are members of the church of the firstborn. In other words, those who keep all of the commandments of the Lord. This is what it says. A Mormon must be a member of good standing, tithing regularly, get a temple recommendation, be sealed in the temple, and follow all the law. Mormons are taught the doctrine of continuous revelation so that God is continually revealing new doctrines and new, new faith to the people. Through continuous revelation, the current prophet of the church can overrule any previous revelation, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, and anything else previously taught and believed. So you see, it's, it's very charismatic in the sense that it's always focusing on one person. Whoever happens to be the person, the leader of the Church of Mormon in this moment, can essentially override everything else. And, and so there's no concept of contradiction. Like we can look at something and say, well, there's a contradiction. Because in Christianity, 
we believe that God established the truth once and for all, and so everything has to be lined up together for the same, like, like it communicating the same thing. It's the same faith. There shouldn't be contradictions between it. Whereas in the, the Mormon faith, whoever happens to be the prophet in the, in the current church, essentially God reveals to them something, and it's okay if it's different than what came before because God is constantly revealing new things all the time. So, so in this way, when someone you know, proclaims something that contradicts even the Bible or the Book of Mormon or any of these, then it's simply accepted as being true. Modern revelation is what President Joseph Smith said, unless President Spencer Kimball says differently. This is one of the quotations um, speaking about the church. God can and does change his mind and even contradict himself. A good example of this latter-day revelation is demonstrated in the 1978 declaration which let blacks finally hold the priesthood. So, like I said, there was a change. At the beginning, they saw the people who were dark-skinned as being having fought with Lucifer, and so this disqualified them from holding certain ranks in the church, like having a priesthood, for instance. But in 1978, it became very... Um, you know, like it, 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 it became like disfavored to have this view in society. And so they said what God has changed the revelation. And so now it's OK for those people who are black in order to hold the priesthood. Previously, the church had held that black men would never hold the priesthood because they held the mark of Cain, i.e. they fought for Lucifer in preexistence. Joseph Smith said, had I anything to do with the Negro, I would confine them by strict law to their own species and put them on a national equalization. This is actually what he said. Brigham Young said, shall I tell you the law of God in regards to the African race? So this is a very, very racist view. If the white man who belongs to the chosen seed mixes his blood with the seed of Cain, the penalty under the law of God is death on the spot, this will always be so. This is in one of their, their documents. Clearly, the African race had no place in the early Mormon church and was condemned by church doctrine. However, according to the church, God changed his mind in 1978, and the church changed its theology. The significance of this and many other changes in Mormon doctrine, supposedly the gospel restored to earth, should not be overlooked. So this is just one example of how the, their, their beliefs change over time. What are their views on God? Mormonism teaches polytheism, believing that the universe is inhabited by many gods who produce spirit children. Joseph Smith declared, I will preach on the plurality of gods. I have always declared God to be a distinct personage, the Lord Jesus Christ, a separate distinct personage from God the Father, and the Holy Ghost was a distinct personage and a spirit. And these three constitute three distinct personages and three gods. So it's very clear from the beginning that here they are believing in these three gods. Now, it's not just three gods. This is just the three gods that are relevant to us on earth. But there are many, many more gods in all of the rest of the universe that all of them, one was created by the other, one was created by the other, and so on, um, that exist. In Mormon theology, the God of our planet is believed to have once been a man on another planet who, through self-effort and the help of his own Father God, was appointed by a council of gods in the heavens to his position as the God of planet Earth. So after a person dies, there is a council of gods on that planet that decides who has been good enough to be promoted to the status and rank of God, and then they are appointed to be a God of another planet.
he now has a physical, resurrected, glorified body. So we, of course, when we speak about the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection, we say that he is resurrected, he had a physical body, and it's glorified. But, of course, when we speak about it, it means something very different than what they mean. Mormonism teaches that through the atonement of Christ and by their good deeds and holy living, men can one day become gods and with their multiplicity of goddess wives populate their own planets. Okay, so there is procreation that happens in the spirit world between gods and goddesses, and this is how they have spirit children. Those spirit children then become the inhabitants of planets, and then among those spirit children are those who are exalted, who then become gods of their own planets. Mormonism acknowledges the divinity of Christ, but as noted above, Mormon doctrine on what constitutes divinity falls very short of the biblical standard. Mormonism teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ, Lucifer, and all the demons, as well as all mankind, are all spirit brothers and sisters, born in the spirit world as spirit babies to our man-god, heavenly father, and his goddess wives. Mormon leaders have consistently taught that God the Father had sexual relations on earth with St. Mary, who was actually his own spirit daughter, to produce the physical body of Jesus Christ. Early Mormon apostles also asserted that Christ was a polygamist, and that his wives included Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, and Mary Magdalene. So they believed that Christ was married and he was a polygamist. He had multiple wives. They also believe, Mormons believe in general, that um, it's very okay for men to have many wives. Uh, they don't consider that to be immoral. And it's actually well known. Actually, the, the state of Utah is where you find many, many Mormons live there. And even though legally... In America, it's not legal to have more than one wife, but this is how they live. They live um, in this way. Man and the universe. The Mormon church teaches that man was a pre-existent spirit and that mankind is the same species as God. Remember, we said that we are exalted to eventually become God. Our origin is supposed to have been as procreated children of God, born as spirits in some other realm. In the spirit existence, we progressed as far as was possible, but to become truly like our Heavenly Father, we needed to obtain physical bodies. We also needed to learn the differences between good and evil. This is how they are explaining the necessity of our incarnation. Why is it that these spirit children all of us as just existing in spirit? Why is it that we would need to be incarnated into flesh and live as people on a planet? Well, because in order for us to eventually become exalted to the status of God, we first have to obtain the flesh and then die and be exalted in this way. So in a sense, the, the, the world is a proving ground for us to demonstrate our, our righteousness in order for us to eventually be selected to be gods. Since our Heavenly Father has progressed so far that he cannot allow evil into his presence, it was necessary for us to leave him for some place where we could encounter and overcome evil ourselves. We were first begotten as spirit children in heaven and then born naturally on earth. This is the quotations from their books. Before coming to this earth, all humans were begotten by our heavenly parents and were born with spirit bodies. All had a previous existence thousands of years ago in the heavens in the presence of God. So according to Mormon teaching, this world was prepared as a school where we have been sent to obtain physical bodies and to learn the lessons of mortality. 
The Mormon Church teaches that God, men, angels, and devils are of the same nature, but at different levels of progression. It also teaches that man may progress to become a god. This is a good stopping point for today. Does anyone have any comments or questions? Hmm? <laughs> yes. I don't think we can say that necessarily that Joseph Smith Jr. was demon-possessed um, in writing this. There's a lot of motivations a person might have to be a false prophet. I mean, we see false prophets all throughout the Bible, and people might do so with different motivations. Maybe my motivation is money or power or authority um, to have some kind of rank for people to pay attention to me or something else. Like, there are many reasons. Or some people might be completely delusional. Um, you know, some people might think that, that some of these things are actually happening to them. Um, I mean, even even recently, like people who believe in the Bible codes, you know, or they believe there are secret information that are encoded in the Bible that if only we read it a certain way, we can predict the end of the world and all these things, right? And some people are very, very convinced that this is true. So I think if you, I mean, if you look at the story, of course, you know, the idea of him finding golden plates and being able to read them or the papyri that had completely wrong information. It, it's I mean, th there's clearly some deception or maybe mental illness. I don't know. Well, like a... Well, look at Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood comes up with so. I mean, I mean, if if somebody is has a lot of motivation, you can come up with something, you know. And the thing is, it's not f it's not bulletproof. Like it's very clear to find mistakes and errors. I think what somebody in this position, what he's able to do, is he's able to brainwash people into making them follow even with even with clear contradictions and clear things that just don't make sense. I think it says something about the way that he's able to convince people of something, right? You get them very excited about an idea to where they kind of suspend their disbelief about it and they just assume that it's true because of the charismatic character of the leader. And we see this in cults. This is how cults work. Like cults, for instance, that believe that um, they have to commit suicide on a certain day of the year because on that day the aliens are going to come and take them from Earth to some place. There's actual cults that believe that. So how did they get to that point that you're willing to actually kill yourself, right, to just based on the faith of into one person who's saying with no actual proof that this is so? Like, I think it's a combination between the charisma of the leader, some motivation that the leader has for, 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 for making this up, but also something about the followers. And then once it starts to build momentum, you know, once you start to build momentum and now you have people who are Mormon that raise their kids in the Mormon church, of course, you're, when you're indoctrinated into something at a young age, it's very easy for you to believe it. So once it builds momentum, the other thing that's attractive about it is they don't publish any of this. Like this is not something that's on the front pages of, you know, of, of Mormon theology that, that it's, it's, pro, it's evangelized to the world. What is the message that they give to the world? We believe in Jesus. 
We believe in God the Father. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in salvation. We believe in doing good works. If you don't dig any deeper than that, then you'll find that it's a very acceptable, for a Christian, it's a very acceptable message. And a lot of times people don't dig. Like people don't read. People don't understand what is the origin of my Christian denomination? Where did it come from? Like what is the basis of it? So I think a combination of all those things could, you know, explain partially why it's been so successful. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk more about that next time, God willing. Was there another question? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We thank you for all the blessings you give us. And we ask you, O God, to have mercy on us and to show us the truth and to lead us, O Lord, in the way everlasting, not just to know, O Lord, our faith, but to live it and to practice it and to appreciate all that you have done for us and all that you have given us. We ask, O God, that you illuminate us and you enlighten our minds and you enlighten the minds of everyone in the world who is living in darkness, who is deceived, who does not know the truth. Help us, O Lord, to share the truth with them and to lead them to you, O Lord. Have mercy on all your people and grant us, O Lord, salvation and mercy and lead us, O Lord, to you day by day. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.